This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, it is 6am, Tuesday the 9th of August and we wish all our Singaporean friends who listen to us, I'm sure they do, via the app or the website, uh, a happy National Day. Yes, uh, very con- congratulations I think for what a milestone for Singapore, right? And all the achievements they've actually achieved since independence, since 1965. Yeah, clearly and I think I only have one thing to say. Ringgit versus uh, Sing Dollar 3.2337. That, must, that really <laughs> exemplifies their success. Uh, but as usual, we have a rather busy show. Um, lots of interesting stories. And first off at 7.15, so many twists and turns in Malaysian politics. So we talked to Dr. Azmin Hassan, Senior Research Fellow at the Nusantara Academy for Strategic Research, for an update and maybe a look at his crystal ball. Because... Hey, when is GE15? We were just having a chat about how we plan our holidays, isn't it? Yeah, Where, around, how we plan our holidays around GE15. I thought my oh. life has gone into hiatus. It's just like in pause mode till yes. we have clarity as to when elections will be. I think, you know, that's Sri is Masabri. If you'd like to come on the show to tell us, please do. You yes. know, because everything is in his hands, right? He will determine the election dates. I'm not sure everything is in his hands. Okay, maybe Dr... Uh, Azmin Hassan will tell us that. Well, that's true. There's because so we many, know there are many, many forces. There are many, many forces. So the question then in 7.30 is, we, we look at our neighbour where I think they put on a pretty forceful show in the Happy National Day for them. And we look at how far Singapore has come since its independence in 1965. And what are the future challenges to city-state with Dr. O. E. Sun, Principal Advisor at the Pacific Research Centre? Then at 7.45, where are those ships? And where has all the money gone? <laughs> Questions we are going to ask Wong Kawa, who is the chairman of the PAC. He's also, of course, the MP for Ipotimor. And, you know, I think it's really, it's it's the biggest uh, procurement contract by Mindev to the tune of 9 billion ringgit. Uh, and a lot of questions about the contracts, yeah. the money trail. Is anybody going to be brought to task for it? Will the ships eventually arrive? According to uh, Dr. Sri Hishamuddin, yes, they will. I think he said that in uh, Parliament yesterday. But we'll be following up all these stories. Uh, keep it here, BFM 89.9. And that was Do You Want to Know a Secret by the Beatles? Uh, yes, we'll like to know when they generate elections. <laughs> that is the secret <laughs> that I want revealed today. Of course, you're listening to The Morning Run uh, with Philip C. and I'm Wong Xiaoning. It is 6.07 Tuesday, the 9th of August. And as usual, we go through all the interesting stories uh, that catch our eye. And it's not so much a story today, right, Philip? It's a podcast yes. from the journal, which I have to say is one of our favourites. I think two of us Love listen it. to most of the podcast, probably 90% of it. 100%, excuse 100%, me. Ex- okay, sorry. You are A star student. I'm an A minus student. Uh, it's usually very well produced. It's probably only yeah. about 15 to 20 minutes and they really hit the nail in terms of like what are the current issues. And today's story is all about Instagram and it's why everyone is mad at it. It's so mad to the point that even major influencers like Kylie Jenner and Kim Kardashian Did you get them right Even complained. Actually, I got it right early on, you know. Okay. Actually, all the Kardashians complained about it because this story and of podcast... And of course, we have to look to them, right? We have to look to them. They because are the, they are cultural icons in their own way. Jokes aside, they really they are. are. They got to be billionaires 
by really knowing what to do in social media. Exactly. I think they are so astute in how the decision in the decision in the decisions they made. But mm. this story actually talks about how so many people are frustrated with Instagram for really two reasons, right? And it really highlights the story of this key influencer Tati Brunick who basically put this post, make Instagram, Instagram again, because she was frustrated that Instagram was beginning to transition from photos to videos. And then you're going to tell them why, right? Well, why they felt the compo- uh, why Meta, which is the parent of Instagram, wanted to push more videos. Very simple. They felt com- competition heat from TikTok. And as a result, they just had to respond to the competition because the younger generation were transitioning and moving from Instagram to TikTok. Instagram is all about the photos, mm. uh, but TikTok is all about these short video formats. And as a result, I think many people are more are, are shifting towards that format. So Meta, the parent company, felt, well, it's time for Instagram to also transition to that. But I think also what frustrated many of these influencers was that she began to see a lot of paid postings yep. as opposed to postings of a friend. So in the end, the goal of the social media tool or Instagram was to connect with friends. It, it became just a paid advertising billboard. Yeah. So I think when you look at the this, the, this listen to this podcast, right, embedded in all of it is business decisions taken at Meta to really claw back their market share, right? And also looking at their past results, it reflects their, I would say, a little bit of their fear. And the fear is that they are losing the younger audience, right? Because we see that even in Facebook, right? Clearly so. And I think they're worried that their social media platforms aren't resonating with probably what is going to be the most impactful demographic, which is the young, right? So I think they get a sense that, hey, how are we going to evolve? And TikTok is really addictive, is really popular with young people. Uh, Maybe that's the future of where advertising revenue is going to go. And we need to push these video reels. So building on this uh, issue by Meta or previously Facebook, look, when Facebook came out, it also saw Instagram as a threat at the time. And then they just acquired it. And they acquired it. So really, Meta has two choices, really. One is, do you acquire the business, engulf it into your universe, Mm. or do you compete directly? and evolve accordingly, right? So they've taken both strategies in this case. Firstly, they acquired Instagram to try and induct it. Now the second one is they try and evolve it, but that doesn't seem to do as well as acquiring it. No, I think partially because when you look at Instagram, it has a significant following who choose to be on that platform for a reason. And that reason is because they want people to see their photos, right? And it tends to be very aspirational kind of photos like you know people in their best um well sometimes quirky but Mm. usually it's like holiday snaps pictures of what they shopped what they ate that's very popular i noticed or at least that's what gets into my instagram feed right well tiktok has a different kind of audience uh can be very silly can also be very informative very addictive i have to say because usually people are quite clever you know they've come up with some very creative short form content and that's why creators are so frustrated with this shift because they make the case that look i don't mind you know being on both platforms but they have to be presented very differently you know the creative that comes to putting an Instagram post is very different from the creative needed to put a TikTok, TikTok video posting. And so the frustration is how are they meant to re-pivot, right, as a business, as an influencer business to these changes? I think that's the frustration that many are going through, right? Because mm. now it's about two formats, both equally, both video that they have to try and transition to. And so then they have to make the tough choice. Do I stay, do I, do I plump on one or do I have to plump with both? But it's very exhausting. Well, I think... 
the issue here is that if you look at uh, the user base of Instagram, and I think that's partially why Facebook has made this of Meta has made this decision mm. to little to kind of dial down on their decision to push Instagram towards video formats is because they looked at the data, and there has been a decline of uh, a million users on Instagram as a result of this shift. Partially because people are very short-term, you know. If they cannot get what they want on that social media format, they give up on it because there's just so many distractions, right? You can easily find another format or just think, enough, you know, this doesn't work because I'm here to see what my friends are up to. And it's that domino effect. It's what they call the network effect is lost. So what's next for Meta? Because initially, Facebook also saw that threat. Hence, it bought Instagram. Now it's trying to evolve to video. That doesn't seem to be working. They then decided to plump to do something broader like the Metaverse. That hasn't translated to anything meaningful. So what's the next big gig for Meta? That's the big question mark. I really don't know. We have to ask the man who wears those grey t-shirts, Matt Zuckerberg, because I'm sure that's the biggest debate that they have, right? The question is, how does Instagram stay relevant without alienating its current users? I'm sure that's very much on their mind. Uh, but that's, let us know what you think. You can tweet in at BFM Radio. That's our handle. Or can WhatsApp in 018-789-8899. Which social media platform do you like or none at all? Tell us what you think. Up next, some messages. Keep it here. BFM 89.9. 6.20, Tuesday the 9th of August and you're listening to The Morning Run with Philip C and I'm Wong Shaoning and that wonderful, beautiful song was These Are The Days Of Our Lives by Queen. When you listen to it, right, it just brings... So much mem- nostalgia. Yeah, memories of... of Good times, bad times, and you kind of have that little smile on your face. It does. It, it does, does, right? It does, it does. Um, well, something that... Good old days. Good old days. Maybe something... Well, we're reflecting now on something that maybe is not such a good old days. Um, and it's this article from The Guardian. It's all about work, right? We're rather quite boring, Philip. And the Excuse article- me. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Talk to yourself. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, the article is entitled, Quiet Quitting, Why Doing the Bare Minimum at work has gone global. Am I looking at the guru of this? You are looking at the guru. I try You get to A-star again for this, A-star right? A-star for quiet quitting. This is really, I think, a phenomenon that's happening everywhere. Even in China, they even have this uh, theme, right, called Tangping, Lie Flat. Okay, by the way, this is from The Guardian. It's from The Guardian newspaper. It talks about how many of us are really reassessing how we look at work. Work isn't now driving our purpose. Work isn't our passion. All we're trying to do is just skate by. Just cruise. Do the is cruise, the word cruise? Is cruise, that the right word? Absolutely, it's the right word. Cruise, skate by, just do the bare minimum so we can just clock in, clock out, get a bit of pay, you know, so that we can get to our own devices because really work isn't driving us or isn't motivating us to do better or improve and we just think it's a means to an end and not the end itself oh okay what should i do sack you (laughs) please do (laughs) as we had a conversation yesterday you can sack me anytime i'm just waiting for any bosses who have worked with me to sack me i'm sure you want to make that declaration on (laughs) air it's captured now for life that's okay i wonder whether this conversation that people are having in their heads right because a lot of it is in your mind uh, is a result of the pandemic and a reflection of what work means and that work-life balance that we all aspire for but honestly can never achieve. So you you can't quit. You really can't quit for a lot of people because they need the paycheck, right? Yeah. They need to live. This is a reality. I mean, in the dream world, you can talk about the fire movement, but most of us, 
can't achieve that fire movement, right? Which is what about uh, earning as much as you can then retiring early? We can't. We can't. We I can't. Think, yeah. And, and then, the inflation is real. Yes. We need to save for retirement. Uh, we do need to have income coming in. Nobody wants to be unemployed. But how do you make enough so that you're happy, but you're not burdened by work? Absolutely. I think that's the problem with the pandemic. I think the pandemic has forced all of us to say, look, we really can't necessarily exercise all our dreams and passions. So we have to be, we have to have a reality check about our situation. And yes, the work isn't going to move me forward from a passion standpoint. I don't want the work to define me. I think that's what's happening in the pandemic because there's nothing happening beyond that. You're sitting in the home and many people then realize, oh no, my work is defining me and I don't want that. And so I push back very hard against it and say, okay, how do I avoid that relationship? How do I avoid that? Perhaps for many people think mm. the unhealthy relationship with work. Let me just do the bare minimum so that I create my own space to do other things. Whether it's meaningful or not, it's up to you. But I think that's the biggest pushback everybody is facing now. Okay, so I'm going to take uh, the position of the employer. Yeah. And I see this happening across the organization, right? I look out across the office floor and I see many of my colleagues maybe taking on that kind of ethos, saying, I want to, I want to cruise, I want to do the bare minimum. How then do I get them to be inspired once again? I'm not saying to work your brains out and just be burned out either because that's not something I think no. companies should aspire for. But you do need people to be motivated. You want them to feel a sense of belonging, like they are contributing an organisation, maybe doing that little bit more than they should, right? Because you don't want a whole floor of people just also cruising by. Then what does it mean for your company? It's going to be super painful, but I think what is required is change. I think people need to change positions. They need to change jobs. They need to look at things very differently because they've been stuck in the same role, perhaps doing the same thing over and over. So the vantage point, the perspective is so myopic. It's mm. so specific that I think what you have to do is just force to change, which is very discomforting uh, and yeah. not easy for people to take in. And, and that's why I think many organizations are now thinking, okay, maybe let, this is time to reorganize. This is time to move people around because everyone's just getting too tired, mm. fatigued, too comfortable with where they are. And that result, they can afford to cruise. And they can afford to cruise because of that. The other thing that's perhaps not very popular is to accept that some people will leave and to let them go, yeah. right? Because there's always push and pull factors when people leave an organization. And if there's sufficient factors to push them out, then perhaps they might find happiness somewhere else. They and might then, get their mojo back again. And with that, hopefully new people come in, they regenerate the organisation, they look at things very differently. Yeah, so actually very true. Let us know what you think. You can tweet uh, our Twitter handle, tweet in. Our Twitter handle is at BFM Radio. You can WhatsApp in 018-789-8899. Let us know what you think. Are you just cruising at work? Or are you highly motivated? What keeps you going? Up next, the 6.30am news bulletin. And to take us there is free by the material. Teenies keep here, BFM 89.9. 6.41, Tuesday the 9th of August, and that song was Whatever by The Buffs. Excuse me? What do you mean by whatever? We can never do whatever, whatever in life. We have to have purpose and mission and move forward with with strides of certainty, yeah? Not whatever. Okay, You're not whatever. millennial or Gen Z. Whatever. I have these whatever moments. I think everybody has their whatever moments, right? <laughs> yes, for right? sure, for sure. And it's fine. It's okay to embrace the whatever moments. Sometimes. Sometimes, but not every day, all the time, 24-7. That's not possible. I want to start with a bit of sad news because... Um, she was an icon of my era, and that is the unfortunate passing of Olivia Newton-John at 73 years old. She was the star of Grease, 
songs like Xanadu, Let's Get Physical. I feel very nostalgic this morning, actually. Yes. And you know, the background about her is that people loved her, you know. She was very... By the way, she was Australian, which many Australian, people didn't know. And she participated in Eurovision, which is boggles my mind. How can an Australian perform in Eurovision? But that's not the point anyway. Celine Dion is Canadian, by the way. And she also participated in Eurovision. Is there no talent in Europe? For I don't musical? know. Is there no musical talent in Europe? Well, you Europeans, answer us now. <laughs> yes. But as we head into more serious news, what has caught your eye, Flipsy? Well, I think just looking at uh, the news, and we were going to talk about it later, it's the Singapore's National Day speech. And what struck me was Prime Minister Lee Hsien Loong's speech, in which he very much emphasised on inflation and the interest rates were set to stay high. So, in quote, the world is not likely to return anytime soon to the low inflation levels and interest rates that we have enjoyed in recent decades. I know the cost of living is at the top of everyone's mind. So, very interesting point. Was he that, wearing a Burberry shirt when he said that? No, right? Uh, well, I'm not sure who's wearing Burberry shirts now. Mm. As, as, as senior political figures, it doesn't. It sounds a bit tone deaf. But anyway, regardless to that, I think the message here is that really the cost of living is a big issue everywhere. And there was a very interesting statistic that came out from DBS Bank that actually the in, the spend to relative income for Singaporeans has risen, right, from 59% a year last, 59% last year to 64% now. Okay, reflecting the higher cost of living, yes. right? So people have had to spend much more. I think the other issues that, uh, you know, hot button issues in Singapore, of course, is the rising cost of housing, even though that they have heavily subsidised public mm. housing, even that has gone up. Jobs, the future, all this will be discussing later on with Dr. O. E. San, Principal Advisor of Pacific Research Centre that's happening at 7.30, after the 7.30 a.m. news bulletin. But other news, Asian news, Hong Kong is going to cut the hotel quarantine to three days to revive this financial hub because, you know, they, they're one of the few countries that still practice uh, quarantines. Yeah. Most of us have gone on this approach where, you know, hardly anybody needs to, you don't need to do any testing, you don't need to do any pre-registration, especially for Europe, even America. Hong Kong is the last bastion out there, I think, because of the China's zero COVID policy. I mean, but impacting them clearly. I, I mean, three days is still very long, to be honest. You know, cutting it, it used from to be seven twenty-one. Just, I remember I know, something it's like that. Incredibly crazy. But I mean, but they also expect another surge, right, of Omicron. But to the point where, if you contrast with the rest of the world, everybody is like, yeah, yeah, we expect another surge. But whether or not we're going to take action about it, it's quite unanimous that not much action is going to be taken, right? Like all these quarantine measures, unlikely to be replicated again in the coming winter season? Oh, at least because most of us are vaccinated, I hope, and we have taken our booster shots. And the healthcare system is not under pressure. Governments yeah. feel, okay, it's all right. We can relax these uh, you know, quarantine measures. They don't make any sense. And if we do, if we don't relax it, the price paid is so high, like what we saw in the early days of COVID-19. Governments literally cannot afford it, right? They really cannot afford the economy to slow down anymore. So everyone's like, we'll just have to learn literally to live with this virus. But the other virus that's catching my eye is actually uh, monkeypox because WHO has basically said to governments, take this seriously. And mm. this is being reported in uh, Bloomberg. Because I think some people feel, okay, it's not a big deal, but we can't because the, the infection rates seem to be creeping up. 
Yeah, so I think this is the point where I think just about two weeks ago, they did alert it on a, uh, the highest alert, I think, on WHO. And what we've not seen is any specific measures taken, right? Because I think they, they do say it's not as transmissive as COVID, but as you rightly point out, Shaoning, if you're seeing higher infection rates, time to be more vigilant then yeah. and begin reporting it. So the WHO says modes of transmission, protection, vaccine effectiveness remain unclear. They're not 110% sure what, what this virus means. Why is it spreading? So efforts, according to WHO, need to be redoubled. But we'll be keeping an eye on the situation. I think Malaysia so far, not a single reported case so far. So far, I think the issue... Singapore has had some. Singapore has. I think the issue with the vaccines is that there's only one provider of the vaccine based in Denmark, which uh, I think is also running short of supplies there. Yeah, uh, but that's all the international news we have for you. Uh, we'll be back after some messages. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. And that song was Ain't It A Sin by Charles Bradley. You're listening to The Morning Run together with Philip C, who's busy noisily flipping through the papers. It's and definitely not a sin listening to us. <laughs> well, depends what we say. And I'm Wong Xiaoning. It is 6.51, Tuesday, the 9th of August. Now, Philip... You're very excited. Why didn't you tell us what's happening? Yeah, it's some good news, actually. If you look on the Star Biz newspaper, um, front page, women's participation on board of PLCs has actually improved quite a lot. From 7.7% uh, a decade ago to now 17.7% in 2021. Remember, the number is 17.7%. It's far away from the 50 or 100% we need to do, but we see great strides in the past decade. Okay. Uh, I've got something related to... Uh, all of us, most of us, well, quite a lot of us at least, because uh, it's from the HCO Morning Breath and it's EPF members' savings worrying after 145 billion ringgit of withdrawals. And this is in response to a question asked in Parliament to the Deputy Finance Minister, Datuk Mohamed Shah Abdullah. So the four withdrawal programs that took place during the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, you know, has resulted in this. So 6.62 million members under 55 has savings less than 10,000 ringgit. 75% of them are Bumiputra. 3.2 million members below age 55 have critically low savings of less than 1,000 ringgit. 81% of them are Bumiputra. And 8.22 million EPF members are below the age of 55 years uh, old. So these statistics, right, I don't know, I just look at them and my mind boggles. And so the government now is worried, but in the first place, did you not allow these withdrawals to take place? Well, I know it, it was a crisis, yes. but uh, four withdrawals? Well, it goes to show, I think, you can't do a fifth withdrawal, simply because even if you have a fifth withdrawal, people have nothing to withdraw in the yes. first place. So that's one of, the thing, one of the things that I'm get, get, getting from this data, right? And so now the question is, if we see more hardship taking place in the coming months and quarters ahead, what do you do? You can't rely on EPF to do the withdrawals because people have no money to withdraw in the first By place. By the way, which I, it's their own money. It's their own money. So you can't give cash handouts simply because we don't have the government coffers to do it. We because talked about we the 70... Because we haven't transitioned from, ta- from subsidies to targeted subsidies. Yes. So we don't have that... Se- with that 77 billion bill is still being talked about. We talk about ways to recover it. So what are the solutions out there really to be able to manage this rising cost of living because you cannot rely on EPF going forward anymore? Yeah. And how do you get uh, members to actually rebuild their savings, to take this seriously, right? To squirrel aside more money month on month. When... 
there is this cost of living pressure. It's like they're competing forces against your shrinking take-home paycheck. And I think the other question is the nature of work has also changed. So for a lot of Malaysians... It's gig. They, yeah, they do freelance work and they don't automatically uh, have any contribution towards EPF. So how do we get that conversation going that they should? They should opt in because it is literally, for many people, EPF has become an opt-in rather than, uh, well, you can't opt out if you're in permanent employment. Uh, what can they do about that? And I'm really curious what the, co- the government is thinking about because they acknowledge it's, it's a worry, but then now what? Yeah, I... <sighs> I think this is a conundrum and that's why I think you have to decide what you're going to do as a government, right? And in the long term, it's really about productivity. How do you get more people fully engaged and employed so they're delivering more value added to the economy? But that's a very long-term answer, to be honest. So really, the, the, the government is in a bit of a quandary about how do I basically contain cost of living? Because there was even a point where I think our finance minister was saying if we didn't have all these subsidies, inflation could have hit 11%. Yeah. But will you know? I there was also question marks whether these withdrawal schemes actually contributed to inflation. Ironically, yes. because you take money out, right, yep, and you yep. can put the money back into the system. It's the same thing that happened in the US. I yeah. think there's a whole issue about the past stimulus checks that were provided by the Biden administration has resulted in this uh, super high inflation numbers. Now, this is uh, something that caught my eye in Malaysia, Kini, and it's our Telegram account of our Foreign Minister, Saifuddin. And Prime Minister. And Prime Minister. Telegram accounts uh, were also hacked. Why is Telegram so hackable? I always thought people shifted from WhatsApp to Telegram because Telegram was more secure. If you remember, there was this whole exodus once that, oh, WhatsApp is not secure, so everybody moves to Telegram. It's ironic that we're now seeing accounts of our senior leaders being hacked I, I really it really has more questions than answers in my view because one one have, one remembers the time when we all were transitioning and having our own separate telegram accounts I because never we did. couldn't transfer WhatsApp because I, oh, just, really? I just thought my WhatsApp messages were so frivolous who would want to read them oh but my neighbourhood watch all all of everyone is, is transitioned to telegram okay because mine is like uh, pick up laundry go and buy groceries <laughs> you lead a sad and mundane yeah, what, life what's shouting. happening on air to tomorrow, uh, who are our guests. So yeah, if anybody's hacked it, they'll be like, this woman, what's going on? Nothing. <laughs> Literally <laughs> well, nothing. Well, I'm sure the, the the minister that everyone wants to see accounts is uh, Hisham Woodin Hussein, our defence minister, because he's been very frustrated with the LCS project, but he vows that the first ship is to be ready within two years. The question okay. is when. When. In the meantime, we'll be discussing this with Wong Kawa, chairman of the PAC, on where those ships are and where has all the money gone. Uh, but up next, we've got the 7am news bulletin and to take us out is Tough Enough by the Fabulous Thunderbirds. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.